Hi everyone, I'm your co-host, Bidemir Logunde. Welcome to episode 13 of the Toolball Podcast, where myself and my brother, Akinola Logunde, present global news, updates, rumors, and in-depth analysis of the game of football, also popularly known as soccer. Today on the show, I'll be discussing the news of Xavi taking over as Barcelona manager, as well as a tactical analysis of the recent Manchester Derby in the English Premier League, as well as Man U's current problems, both on the field and off the field, potential replacements for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and a possible timeline for his replacement. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. So to kick off, on Saturday, November 6th, Barcelona named former midfielder and captain Xavi Hernandez as their head coach on a contract until 2024 following the sacking of Ronald Koeman. The club received the green light after paying the release clause in his contract with Qatari side Al Saad. Xavi was a youth team product at Barcelona. He played there for about 17 years, making 767 appearances and winning 25 trophies, including four Champions League titles and eight Spanish La Liga titles. So Dutch coach um, Ronald Koeman was sacked after a 1-0 defeat by Rayo Vallecano in October, which left Bakar in ninth place on the La Liga table. He led Bakar to third place and won the Copa del Rey during his first season in charge, but Bakar have struggled this season after being forced to part ways with Lionel Messi due to budget cuts in the midst of financial problems. So Xavi's first match as Barcelona manager will be a local derby against Espanyol on November 20 after the international break. Espanyol has never finished above Barca in the La Liga and Xavi has said that a draw with Espanyol is as good as a defeat and a 1-0 win in the 90th minute is simply not acceptable. Barca are second in their Champions League group behind Bayern Munich with 6 points from 4 matches despite losing their opening 2 matches. So Xavi joined Al Saad as a player in 2015 and he became head coach after hanging up his boots in 2019. In April 2021, he led his side to the Qatari Domestic League title with the team unbeaten. He turned down the chance to coach Baka in January 2020 after Ernesto Valverde was sacked, but he remained linked with the job even after Coleman succeeded Kike Setien in August 2020. He recently revealed, Xavi recently revealed that not only had he turned down the job twice already, but that he had also passed up the opportunity to work with the Brazilian national team coach Adeno Leonardo Bacci, commonly known as Titi, in order to head back home to Spain. So the English Premier League um, Manchester City Derby that was played on Saturday, November 6, revealed more of the same kind of performances we have now come to expect as normal by the current Man U squad. So they usually turn in an abject, unimaginative performance with their game plan appearing to be based solely on hyper-talented individuals doing something special. So this season, that hyper-talented individual for Manchester United is Cristiano Ronaldo. Since his arrival at Manchester United, he has scored 9 out of United's 20 goals. Last season, that hyper-talented individual was Bruno Fernandes and every now and then the player is Paul Pogba when he's not suspended or played out of position or benched or even sent off. And last Saturday, during that derby, that player was David De Gea. Uh, without his crucial saves, Man City would have beaten United soundly, just like Liverpool did a few weeks ago with a five-goal margin. 
Ironically, however, whatever United was building on after finishing second in the Premier League last season evaporated the moment they signed Cristiano Ronaldo this season. He has been played as a centre forward, which messed up their pressing game and left them with no threat whatsoever in the back. Then they switched to a 3-5-2 formation so that he can have a strike partner, and this meant there was no room for their busload of wingers including Jadon Sancho, who they paid a nine-figure amount to sign just this off-season. So the 3-5-2 formation benefited United defensively against the likes of Tottenham, who have a record of going the most minutes without a shot on target anyway. However, it did not benefit them against Atalanta, who scored twice against United, nor did it benefit them against Man City, who would have kept on scoring, if not for De Gea's crucial saves. Of course, in the game of football, goals are used to keep score. That's a fact. We also know that Cristiano Ronaldo is one of the greatest goal scorers in history and is not even the type of player that depends on ball supply before scoring. We also know that for a fact. However, this second fact is why cracks in United's current style of play gets overlooked. Without a doubt, Man U as a team in this current season is on a backward trajectory. While it may be true that to get the best out of Ronaldo, you need to redraw your tactical blueprint and you need the right players around him, even the most basic performance from CR7 on any given day will turn draws into wins and losses into draws. As of right now, however, Solskjaer doesn't seem to have the right tactical magician's touch and United clearly lacks the right kind of players around CR7. So for this reason, it is silly to only look at results. You have to consider performances and so far, Man U's performances have mostly been somewhere between mediocre and poor. Sogja himself admitted after the match that the loss to Manchester City was quote, a big step backwards. On the other hand, Man City were extremely impressive during that derby. As expected, Guardiola won the tactical battle, but more importantly, he was able to inspire unreal out-of-this-world performances from players like Joao Cancelo, Kevin De Bruyne, and even Bernardo Silva. So, going off this uh, Manchester City performance, I would now do some tactical analysis of that game, um, the Manchester Derby from last week Saturday. On a tactical note, Sokja opted for three at the back in his newfound 3-5-2 formation, but Guardiola's approach forced United to employ a back five instead, with Phil Foden and Gabriel Jesus pinning back Aaron Juan Bissaka and Luke Shaw in the wide areas. So in front of United's back five, Sokja had a midfield three and a front two, and Cancelo was integral to how City caused them problems. So as Man City's left back, Cancelo regularly cut inside, using his favoured right foot, and he occupied acres of space between the flanks and the centre of the field. So from those areas, he operated as a free man and he was the target of 107 attempted passes from his teammates, which placed him top ahead of Carl Walker, who received 99 passes, and Kevin De Bruyne, who received 95 passes. And also, Cancelo completed 10 progressive passes during the match, which was at least three more than any other player on the field. He also found the penalty box with passes more than any other player with three, and he registered an assist for the only goal that City scored that day, excluding Eric Bailey's own goal 
which incidentally came from a Cancelo cross from the left side. Aaron Wan-Bissaka also regularly found himself torn between pressurizing Cancelo or closing Phil Foden down and Bruno Fernandes was regularly positioned too far away to close Cancelo down with City switching play to Cancelo's direction as often as possible. Man City posted 34 switches compared to United's 11 and Sogja was eventually forced to change to a 4-2-3-1 formation to solve the tactical problem but that did not provide any respite. So up next, I'll be talking about rumours of Manchester United sacking Oligona Solskjaer. So after the humiliating 5-0 home loss to Liverpool, United manager Oligona Solskjaer reportedly had three matches to save his job, but it was never clear what those results needed to be. Did he need to win all three or win two and draw one or at least have three draws and so on? So club management gave serious consideration to dismissing Solskjaer, but in the end, they decided to keep him. After a change of formation to a back three system, United went on a 1-1-1 record, a win, a draw and a loss during those three subsequent matches. There was a 3-0 Premier League win at Tottenham, there was a 2-2 Champions League draw at Atlanta, and there was a deflating 2-0 home loss to City um, just last weekend. So on Monday, November 8th, New reports indicated that the club leadership has no plans to replace Solskjaer despite that 2-0 loss to Manchester City last Saturday. However, the prevailing sentiment after two resounding defeats against title favourites Liverpool and Man City is that those teams had clear game plans, movements and patterns of play that made them appear several steps ahead of a Man U team that was merely reacting to the game without clear game plans. Those same deficiencies showed up against Atalanta in the Champions League, but CR7 rescued the team with incredible individual efforts to earn a win and a draw in both of those matches. Despite several big-name signings this offseason, including Rafael Varane, Jadon Sancho and of course Cristiano Ronaldo, United has not played well at all this season and even many of their wins have not been convincing enough. They've only won one match in their last six Premier League matches. They've been eliminated from the Carabao Cup, which is the um, English version of the League Cup, and they have needed to come from behind in their last three Champions League matches after opening the group stage with a shock loss to suicide BSC Young Boys. The 5-0 loss to Liverpool was the low point of their challenging few weeks, and their lacklustre performance against Man City certainly did not feel like progress. In addition, Sogja's tactics and lineup selections have been called into question. The team has generally suffered from a lack of organization and coordinated movement without the ball, and there are even a few clear collective ideas that show up in the attacking sequences, which have instead relied on moments of individual brilliance. During his tenure as manager, United has lost 7 out of 14 matches played in the UEFA Champions League. So all of this has led to public comments from even Solskjaer's own players about tactics and game plans and there are reports that he has lost the trust of a number of his own players. After finishing in second place last season, 12 points behind Man City and leading United to the Europa League final where they lost on penalties to Villarreal, United gave Solskjaer a new three-year contract this July um, that runs through 2024 with an option for an extra season. That would make parting ways with him now an especially tough decision for the club management. 
As for potential replacements, it was believed that Italian Antonio Conte, who was coming off a league title-winning season at Inter Milan, was the candidate with the best resume to take over at United. However, despite reports of his interest in United, he joined Tottenham after he fired their manager Nuno Espirito Santo. Interestingly, after Tottenham's 3-0 loss to Man U on October 30. So we now know that former Real Madrid coach Zinedine Zidane, who once coached CR7 at Real Madrid, is reportedly not interested and it is hard to imagine Roberto Martinez leaving the Belgian national team, which is currently ranked number one in the world, ahead of a World Cup next year, or even CR7 becoming a player manager. Other names that have been linked to the United manager job are Brendan Rogers, currently at Leicester City, Mauricio Pochettino, currently at PSG, Eric Ten Hag, currently at Ajax, Ralph Rangnick, currently at Lokomotiv Moscow, and Julian Nagelsmann, currently at Bayern Munich. So the most likely name from that list, and someone whose coaching philosophy would fit United's preferred proactive playing style, is Ralph Rangnick, the architect of RB Leipzig's rise to power in the German Bundesliga. He recently joined Russian side Lokomotiv Moscow in a management role, and reports suggested that he would only be interested in an interim coaching role at United until he could handpick a permanent manager to take over, which would allow Rangnick to then move up to become the director of football. In terms of replacement timelines, some clubs wait until the extended breaks offered by FIFA international windows for World Cup qualifiers, and therefore November 7 to 17 would be one of such windows. However, Manu has made it clear that there won't be a change in managers during the international break. Sokja will be facing another trial when his team returns to action in late November. United is expected to win on the road at Watford on November 20, and after that, qualification for the UEFA Champions League round of 16 will be at stake in a pivotal group stage match at Villarreal on November 23. That crucial week then wraps up with a massive clash against league leaders Chelsea on November 28, which could help relaunch United's title bid if the other two results cooperate, and also on the other hand, which could spell the end of Solskjaer's United career if none of those three results are favourable enough to the United um, club leadership. So that's all we have for episode 13 of the Throughball Podcast. Production, editing and fact-checking are done by Akinola and Bidemio Logunde. Audio engineering and graphic design by Bidemio Logunde. Please join us again on the next episode as we continue with deep dives and football news, updates, rumors, and analysis. Make sure you subscribe to the Throughball Podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And also, please share the show with anyone that you think might benefit from it. For questions, comments, or any suggestions, please send an email to throughball10 at gmail.com. And please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. Thank you for your time. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.